Namaste. Welcome to the sixth episode of the Kendra Maya podcast. My name is Kendra Maya and I am a yogi at the 17,000 year old Himalayan, ancient Himalayan school of yoga called Trilok Akhara. Today's topic is going to be about how meditation can change your state of being and specifically your state of mind based on the latest neuroscience research. So the topic is how meditation can change your state of mind literally your neural circuits based on the latest neuroscience research that is available out there in uh, research papers and from journals such as science nature and cell so as part of this episode we are going to look at two main questions the first one is why should we meditate and the second one is how should we meditate to give us the results that we want the first question so why should we meditate to answer this question i'm going to get into a research paper that was done around the 2010 and it was published in the journal science uh, by Killingsworth and Gilbert and the title of this uh, paper is a wandering mind is an unhappy mind and this is also the conclusion of this paper so how um, was the study done basically it involved the methodology was um with about 2200 adults of different age groups both male and female with an average age of 34 years and they were all given a uh, an iphone that they that the scientists would then ping them on every in a specific time interval so let's say two three times in the morning two three times in the afternoon and two three times in the evening and what they found and whatever they would write what they would message them basically would be questions like what are you feeling right now and what are you doing right now these two questions and what they found out from the responses by these 2200 sample size um case was that how people were feeling and how people were doing was usually quite disproportionate so more than 50% of the people who responded uh had a disproportionate uh, feeling of whatever they were so for example if they were washing dishes then what they were feeling then could be uh anything that has nothing to do with the dishes basically or if they were doing something else they were feeling something else that has nothing to do with what they are nothing to do with what they are doing and 
this was the majority of the case, but then there was one case specifically that lay on somewhere far away from the graph, which was when people were making love, then they were very focused. So, then how they felt and what they were doing was correlated and they were present basically, they were present. So, that means that they were present to what they were doing and this is of course, the the, the, the least often happening data point in this uh, case study. And this means, so in all cases when they were not present, when they were not focused to what they were doing, they were not so happy. That is how they recorded uh, their responses as, yeah. So, I think to basically answer the first question, it is pretty clear that a wandering mind is an unhappy mind from this study at least, which brings us to the solution. In this case, a lot of studies have shown uh, particularly from a scientist Wendy Suzuki also from the United States, but I am not sure which university, um, but she has done a lot of uh, studies and across different sample sizes and um, populations and come up with results that sh demonstrate that meditation helps improve attention, focus, memory and sleep. Um, no, not sleep just yet, but yeah, the first three attention, focus and memory, but also sleep in a certain cases, in certain cases as we will see later, specific types of meditation would also enhance sleep. Uh, overall meditation improves cognitive function, this is what a lot of research has shown and your, my listeners you are welcome to go and um, explore it yourself and see what you find. So, this is the answer to why we should meditate, because basically it has the ability to help us be more present to what we are doing. Yeah. Now, to answer the second question, which is um, how does one actually go about meditating to improve happiness or to increase happiness? specifically. What does this kind of meditation really involve? Um, yeah, so to understand this, uh, we would also get into, so basically from my experience and from yoga siddhi meditation knowledge and experience of the last 10 years, I have learned that meditation for me means the ability to remain at peace and at, and at kind of present to whatever I am focusing on, whether it is my breath or if it is an external object or a candle, flame or a specific sound or a specific uh, 
sensation in my body, whatever I am, I have decided to focus on, I am able to maintain that focus. This is what meditation means for me in the beginning, uh, so far. Um, so, in the beginning, this is what meditation meant for me. In the last two years, it has evolved to mean to be transformed into what we call yoga siddhi meditation in the Himalayan Holistic Healing Institute and also um, uh, as we teach it in India. Uh, in the same way, it is called this way and this is a bit uh, more different from just refocusing. But let us uh, let's pay attention to the refocus part, because I am currently addressing the audience here, who are more beginners in this meditation practice. So, looking at it from a beginner point of view, and it has been so for me for many years as a beginner, uh, when I was meditating maybe 5 or 10 minutes a day for a few days a week, maybe every single day a week, but it was not always happening, like every single day. You know, it was sometimes 4 or 5 days a week or sometimes 2 3 days a week. Sometimes it would not happen altogether. It would not be for longer than 10 15 minutes. Um, I have tried to meditate longer. Uh, of course, now I do uh, much longer meditations. Um, an hour could go by. Uh, but what is interesting actually is um, that over time as you develop a specific meditation practice and a specific. So, in the case of yoga siddhi meditation, we have different practices. Each practice as you develop it and you practice it more and more, the time that it takes for it to be effective for you is, is reducing. So, the more you practice, the less time it takes. So, the same practice that it took you an hour to make it effective for your body and your brain would take you maybe 10 minutes or 15 minutes after a month of practice. So, that is how fast it can evolve and that is how fast it has evolved for me. So, now I am learning newer practices which take longer. Anyhow, meditation has been so far a lot about refocusing. So, it is not so much just focusing at the candle flame. Okay. Let us imagine we are sitting in the down, we have our eyes open and we are looking at this flame and I am looking at its bright yellow, orange, reddish glow. And then I suddenly move my attention somewhere else. I start to worry about some other thing that I have, I need to finish, let us say. I need to, I do not know, make the next uh, podcast episode <laughs> or something. I mean, I do not worry about these things, but for example, if we were to think about something else, we are distracted. Then I bring back my focus to the candle flame. And this refocusing is truly what meditation, at least at the beginning, really is all about. It is not so much how detracted you are from the moment, but how often you can bring yourself back and how and with and that actually creates the smoothness and continuity in meditation. Because if you can do it really fast, that it is less than a second, then basically it is almost like being constantly focused. Whereas as a matter of fact, you are constantly refocusing, but really fast. So, now this actually was demonstrated um, in a research paper as well that was done uh, by scientists um, 
involving beginner meditators and expert medita meditators who have been meditating for 10 or 15 years, uh, maybe 20 years, uh, have thousands of hours of meditation under their belt is <laughs> kind of uh, an interesting way of putting it that uh, um, Dr. Andrew Huberman had in the podcast uh, that I have been listening to about neuroscience and meditation. So yeah, they have a lot of uh, meditation hours and both of these groups of people were uh, told to listen to 20 different tones, musical tones and the people who and then they were told to kind of recollect them and the beginners were able to focus so then it was possible to do brain imaging scans and so the beginners were able to focus on the first 10 but as the tones got more and more like in number and they started to change by the time they reached 20 they were not able to focus there anymore whereas the expert meditators were able to recollect and maintain their focus for all 20 tones and this they were able to do because they kept their brain kept refocusing 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 really fast and efficiently so that's uh, that's really at the crux and at the core of uh, starting the starting journey of meditation right so that is a bit about the f the how but then how do we actually uh, do this refocusing and to understand that uh, we would look right now as a neuroscientist uh, a bit into the brain and break it down of course I am not a neuroscientist so I am going to speak about it in the way Himalayan yoga and yoga in general perceive the body and the brain and its connection but I will substantiate some of this with whatever existing neuroscience research we have on that. For some things we do not have it because science is yet to catch up, but for some we do. So, um, we all know that or I hope, uh, I do not know, but perhaps you are aware that uh, we have the prefrontal cortex which is right behind our forehead. So, you can it is also where it is part of your face basically, the top part of your face where the prefrontal cortex is and this is responsible for conducting a lot of rational and logical decision making for the human being and we actually have, so other animals do not have this but human beings do and we actually have two of these one on the left hand side and one on the right hand side and they are connected. So the left part of the prefrontal cortex specifically the left dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex is actually really interesting because so the reason I am mentioning these specific brain parts is not because I want to just show off my knowledge of what I can remember actually it is because you can actually do something with this it is possible to actually locate them in your brain and with meditation to change the neural circuitry in these parts of the brain with meditation and this is coming from the perspective of a neuroscience neuroscientist it is possible to change it and that is why 
it has already been studied to change it, the neural circuitry. And you can too, uh, specifically with the meditations uh, that we are going to talk about today. So, the left dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex is basically the left side of your forehead, a bit on the side and up. So, the lateral is on the side and dorsal is uh, above, so in the front. So, if you can, you can just place your hand there, of course, not if you are driving and listening to the podcast, but if you are just, you know, doing it in a safe way, then you can place your hand there and you can feel it from the outside, this part of your brain. Uh, it is responsible for uh, recognizing whether your body is comfortable or uncomfortable with respect to the environment. Um, so, it basically collects and controls and interprets data that is being input from inside the body, which is below your skin. So, inside the body, all your muscles and your heart and your uh, lungs and your brain and your intestines, but also outside the body. So, how much light is coming into your eyes and what is the pressure, what is the temperature, what is the form in which you are sitting or standing or if you are running and you know all these things are interpreted and this part of the brain collects this data for interpretation from another part of the brain called the anterior cingulate cortex, which is a bit at the back I guess because it is, no, it is also somewhere about the back of the left side of the brain, I'm not sure exactly where it is, but it is close by and it is connected to the left prefrontal cortex. Because this part of the brain, let us just call it the ACC, gets input from not just the amygdala, which is the animal part of the brain, uh, also in animals and it is uh, like at the back of the brain again. But this also, the ACC also collects input, data input from the heart and from the gut, specifically these two points in addition to the other parts of the brain. So, it collects it from the amygdala which is in the brain and from the heart and from the gut, these three places. And this in turn is connected to the insular cortex which also takes and interprets data, uh, interprets data from the body and from the outside. So, these three form the three points in the brain from which information is collected and interpreted um, about that the data that is coming in from the heart, the gut and other parts of the brain and the external environment. Now, this is really interesting because in yoga we also have we already have an awareness and uh, we have had this for a long time um, that the mind, the heart and the gut are the three brains of the body. So, the gut brain is also known as the enteric nervous system, the heart brain, not sure if it has an English name, but we have a name for it in yoga and then the mind of course. And these three were further divided into three parts and each of them 
then became a chakra. So, the information that is coming from the enteric nervous system, that information and its origin was divided into three parts based on the sort of basal layer of information that is coming. So, there are three chakras that are divided into and then the heart area divided into three chakras because it is possible to further divide this. Okay. Neuroscience is yet to find out these three divisions in each of these three places, but in yoga we have this awareness because of thousands of practitioners over thousands of years and they are called the chakras. And so, it is possible to just think from your gut or just think from your heart or just think from your brain. It is also possible to think from the top of your brain, which is the highest chakra. Most people do not know how to do that. So, the reason I am talking about this is obviously because these three parts of the brain that I just listed off to you, the left prefrontal cortex, the anterior cingulate cortex and the insular cortex uh, are responsible for two types of perception. And these two types of perceptions lie on a continuum. So, they are not just two types, there is a continuum. So, you can be somewhere in between, you do not have to be either this or that, right. And in Sanskrit, the perception of the self, which is one of these perceptions. So, basically when you close your eyes, which is a typical meditative, one of those typical meditative, well at least it is a sort of uh, the overall perception of what meditation involves, closing one's eyes completely. When one does that, one actually goes completely inside oneself, because these three brain parts start to only receive more or less the information from more of the percentage of information from inside the body than from outside. So, that is one gateway that you close. You close taking a lot of extra sensory input from the outside environment and start to take more input from inside. So, what is the feeling of, yeah, if you are hungry for example, then you will feel that more when you are just closing your eyes and turning your attention to yourself. Now, perception itself is different from just sensation. So, okay, we have interoception, which is when you close your eyes, and on the other end of the continuum, we have exteroception. So, the first one is interoception, which in Sanskrit we call actually idgala, idgala, that is the awareness of the inside of oneself in a really absolute way. So, there are people who can measure their heartbeat without taking a pulse by just listening to the heartbeat from the inside and it is possible to do this with every single organ to be able to feel each and every organ. People who have meditated for a long period of time are able to do this. Yeah, with yoga siddhi meditation which we teach also you are able to do this, but now the question becomes why would you do it right? I will come to that. So, but exteroception is the pingala nadi. So, idgala nadi and pingala nadi in Sanskrit. And then when we have both together, because we also have types of meditation in yoga siddhi that are and in the Himalayan yoga knowledge, uh, 
where you have your eyes half closed. That's when you have perception from the inside and from the outside. And that's when you activate the Sushumna Nadi. Now, depending on which one you are activating, you will experience, you will have a different output from the meditation you practice. And you should practice the meditation based on how interoceptive or extraceptive you already are. So, let us go back to the generic meditation, right. So, you close your eyes and you are sitting down and so you stop moving. So, once you stop moving and you sit down and you close your eyes, these three, those three parts of the brain start to focus more on the input that they are getting from inside the body. And when this happens, the interoception increases, the inward focus has increased, the inward perception has increased. And this allows you to be more aware of your inner workings of and perhaps a bit more aware of all the thoughts swimming around your head. So, if you have a lot of thoughts and you are not able to still yourself, then this is a great way to start doing that. Research shows that even 3 minutes a day is helpful, but in Yoga Siddhi meditation we recommend at least 10 minutes. But you can just start with any of these practices and see how it makes a difference in your life with uh, apps. We have meditation apps these days. Sorry. So, in the opposite case is when you are, you want to focus on the outside a bit more because you are hypersensitive towards your insides, which is rather uncommon. Most people are uh, these modern times quite all over the place and their mind is not, not able to stop at all and they are really in need of some peace and quiet inside and this would involve a more interceptive meditation. Um, but it is also possible to start actually by just, in fact maybe it is better especially for those who have hypersensitivity and inability to focus at all on their insides or it is too overwhelming to focus on your inside and you can start by focusing outside on a candle flame for example. But it really, it really only matters that you, it can change from day to day. So, whatever you feel in that moment, uh, first you should become aware of that and then uh, practice uh, your meditation based on that. Now, your perception when you are focusing inside or outside basically can also be in different types. You can just focus on your specific toenail, on your big toe, on your left foot and just focus all your attention on it. That is really narrow perception, but you can also broaden it and diffuse it and share and, and be having the entire room in focus as well. 
but not in narrow focus, but in broad diffused focus. You can also focus on two different things at the same time. Actually, you can focus on three different things at the same time, on three different perspectives even, but most people are only focused on the first two. So, in yoga, we have the three ways of focusing, one, one on oneself, one on the outside and this could be the person that you are talking to, you could feel how they are feeling, you could also feel how they are feeling about you or about the situation, that is an emp the empathetic perspective, the second perspective and the third perspective is the divine perspective which is what most people are unable to access, but this is what is crucial and part of the understanding of who you are and why you are here on earth, but also why something bad has happened to you. So, if something bad has happened to you, if you are in a painful situation or if you have been suffering, then this perspective allows you to zoom out zoom out, zoom out, increase your, increase the diffusion of your focus, just diffuse it completely into spaciousness and in abundance. Zoom out and do not have a narrow focus, but zoom out, look at it as if you are outside the planet and there are just two little beings on the earth and there is one of them that is, I do not know, maybe your um, I do not know, your mother-in-law, your father-in-law and they are being really annoying and uh, you are having a fight with them, but when you zoom out and when you see these two small like just sitting on the planet and somewhere having a little fight, you realize that it is, you, you gain a divine perspective, you can realize that it is why it is happening and what can you learn from it and how can you move on and it is not painful anymore because it is all about you learning something and so the pain is diffused in this spaciousness that you have created with this divine perspective and that is what uh, is really useful for those who are going through uh, emotional trauma or have gone through emotional trauma because if you do not have the divine perspective, then you are probably going to be in so much pain and then the brain does not know what the hell to do with that pain, so it just shuts off information, all information, all data input from that part of the body. Because as I said earlier, the brain does not just take input from your brain and the nerves, but the nerves that are connected to each and every part of your body carry data including pain to your brain. So, if the pain is too much including emotional pain, then the brain shuts that off. Even emotional pain is felt in a certain part of your body and you can find it by meditating. So, yeah, this is how, this is one of the ways in which one rises up from one's trauma and rises up from pain. And once we have learned how to see the divine perspective, for example, through the practice of yoga siddhi meditation, 
then each time you experience pain, you wouldn't have to go through uncomfortable emotions like fear or guilt or anxiety. Instead, you can simply zoom out and see what is there. Yeah. So, in the next episode, we will get into another type of meditation, which uh, is more about enhancing sleep and creativity. Today, it was more about focusing and healing. So, basically, focusing on who you on, on, on yourself and whatever, increasing focus. So if you even want to increase focus in your studies, then if you can focus on a candle flame, then you can apply that skill also to your studies. Uh, but also about the third perspective and the second perspective and how to get those to treat emotional pain and physical pain. Next episode will be about meditation practices that will help you sleep better and relax. So, not it's the opposite end of it, right? So, one side we have focus on, and on the other hand, we have relaxation. Alright, so thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this episode um, useful and you enjoyed it as well. Please do like, um, share, and comment in the um, on my social media pages where I'll be sharing this. But more than any of that, a really great way to contribute to developing this channel for free is just by subscribing to the channel and by giving us ratings on the Spotify and Apple app. Alright. Oh.